Hey, podcast listener. Are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. If we all help each other by contributing to this learning, by helping to understand what's working and not working for different sizes of firms, as a profession, we can elevate together. Welcome to the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help overworked CPAs go down to 40 hours without giving up revenue. My name is Geraldine Carter. With us today is my guest, Donnie Shimamoto. Donnie, welcome to the show. Thanks, Geraldine. I am excited to be here. I've been, I've been listening to your podcast, and I love the advice that you've been giving, so I am honored that you would have me. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to finally talk with you. So for listeners who haven't heard of you, give us a quick sense of who you are, where you are, and what you do. The quick way I always describe myself is a non-traditional CPA. That's because I don't do audit, tax, or bookkeeping. Uh, I work in the innovation or actually business transformation space. And my firm, which we are registered as a CPA firm based out of here in Hawaii, uh, but we're completely virtual, um, but we have about 16 people, and we help our clients through this business transformation space. And I know you talk a lot about specialization and niching, and we are, I think of it as a horizontal, I think I heard you call it that way too, it's a horizontal niche, because we deal across all different types of industries, but we bring in this whole concept of innovation and transformation. And we're talking today about the research that you're doing, because the accounting industry has had a rough go for the last couple of years, especially, and your research may be able to help shed light on what's working really well for accountants when it comes to advisory and staffing in particular, so that they can learn from the research results that will be coming out and take what's useful and apply it in their firms. So give us the high level on the research that you're up to and why it's important. Sure. And let me just explain really quick why we're doing research. Because people go, wait, didn't you just talk about innovation and why are you doing research? And because people think that innovation is all this creativity and I just got to do all this stuff. And really good innovation, good business-driven innovation is driven off of data. And so what we're really trying to do in this space is understand what's the actual data, what's the evidence that tells us that we need to do certain things or not do certain things. And that's what we're trying to do. So we've got these two different surveys that we are doing right now. One is focused on advisory services and the other one is focused on staffing strategies. So the advisory services research is looking at this whole concept that accountants should be doing more advisory work and less compliance work. And I know as part of the whole specialization or niching strategy, that, that also comes in as well, right? Don't just do the tax return. Actually work with your clients 
not just on tax advisory, but business advisory, really looking at the whole client and the whole operations, and that's where you can have more impact. So everyone's been telling AICPA, I think it's been 15 years now since I've been hearing them start to get on that soapbox of you have to do more advisory, you have to do more advisory. And I'm still having conversations. I know you're still having conversations, having listened to your podcast, to try and convince people that they need to do advisory. Well, part of what we're trying to do through this advisory uh, research is to fully substantiate that advisory-focused firms are more successful than compliance-focused firms. And we're actually letting people define their own concept of success or the firm's success. Because for some people, it's profitability. For others, and I know this is near and dear to your heart because you talk about this get down to 40 hours, success might just be I can manage, in fact, not just manage, I can actually enjoy my work because I'm having this impact on others because I can have work-life balance or work-life integration as it's more commonly now, right? And so we're trying to look at these different things. One of the other things that's tied to that is the ability to get staffing. And so that's why we're doing this other side of, well, everyone's talking about the staffing crisis. And so what really is going on? So one, we wanna quantify that there's an actual staffing crisis because there's a lot of talk about it. But what we're not sure is whether everyone is utilizing all of the different strategies to alleviate their staffing needs. And we have them in four major categories. The first is in traditional hiring, which is what most people are talking about. And when you hear anecdotally about the staffing crisis, you hear that I can't hire. Well, that's just one category of strategy. And under each of these categories, we have like four to six different sub-strategies that we've identified. So the second major major one is in external hiring. So outsourcing, uh, offshoring, use of job-based outsourcing, also not just employee-based outsourcing. So we're looking at these different external strategies, which by the way, since I know you speak with a lot, this podcast reaches a lot of smaller um, or even solo practitioners where we've gotten the most inquiries we ever have ever, ever from souls and small firms on how do I use an outsourcer, right? So that's a good way to grow without actually, uh, or to grow your staff, quote staff, without actually having to get employees per se. The third one is actually on workload reduction and automation. So am I using technology to reduce the amount of work that I need? So especially if you're trying to get down to that 40, or I know you talk about getting under 40, so you have excess capacity. Automation may be one of those things that can help you do that. And then the last one we're looking at is demand reduction strategies. So things like firing clients that don't align to your niche or your specialty, getting rid of clients that just take a lot of time but don't, you know, those C and D or F clients, like get rid of them, which I know the strategy you talk about as well. So what we're doing is just trying to paint the picture of like, here's all the different strategies that are possible, which ones are you using and which ones aren't you using. But the other thing is we're tying it again back to this concept of success. So we're looking at that to say, what are successful firms doing? Which strategies are they using? Because then those are the strategies that we would then say, hey, you should be looking at this because successful firms are using these strategies. Okay. I love this because there's so much in here that is challenging that that I hear bubbling up in the industry and the conversations I have. Also hearing similar things from the folks that I work with. So let's talk about the advisory piece 
you mentioned either in the green room or just a moment ago that advisory has been being talked about for 15 years. What do you think this research might surface that might help people understand why its adoption has been on the slower to uptake side? I actually personally think a lot of that is kind of fear. It's this we're trained in accounting and finance and taxes. And should we be going outside of that that realm? Um, For myself and my career, my background is actually in audit. And what was really interesting and exciting for me was going out to visit the clients and getting to see their operations and understanding what are some of the problems that they're having there and how can I, having seen all of these different businesses, come in and say, have you thought about it this way? Or I saw another client that addressed that same thing this other way. And by the way, that's the same thing we do in this innovation space now is I'm looking across industries and going, well, this industry is doing this thing this way. Can we adapt that to this other industry and and also get a win there? So it's looking for those parallels. But that's that's really, I think, as we start to look at this, why why should they be doing this? Well, if they're more successful, and success, again, is kind of relative to the person, then they can have a more fulfilling career. They can want to, they can enjoy more of this that they actually do. And actually, I'll let your listeners in on a little bit of a, uh, a broader picture of what we're doing. So this summer, we're doing this firm success focused part of the survey. We already are going to branch this over into the client success. So part of what we're going to be looking at, especially the latter part of this year, is our clients of advisory-focused firms more successful because that, in the end, I feel is what we as accountants contribute back to society is we help, especially small business owners, be more successful, which actually contributes back to the community because it increases their staffing, it increases their profit, right, which, which in small business goes back into the communities that we're a part of. And through that, I think we actually have a huge impact on the prosperity of communities and extrapolate that out on the world as a whole. So that's kind of the tail end, but we're doing it first by looking at, because we need to identify which firms are more advisory focused. And then can we see whether their clients are also more advisory focused, are more successful? I do think, you know, success is so individually defined. If you don't define success for yourself, nature abhors a vacuum and your brain will find a somebody else's version of success to slot into the vacuum. So <laughs> so the success piece, because it's so individually based, I think will be interesting to see how that pans out. But this piece about clients getting better results, do the clients of accountants and CPAs who are in an advisory kind of situation, are they performing better? I think this is super interesting because I hear accountants talk about their profession as accounting is a necessary evil. And I think accounting is the foundation of a business and it is absolutely necessary and there's nothing evil about it. And it blows my mind that people would think about their own profession as a necessary evil. Accounting has the power to help small business owners be way more successful. Completely. And like you say, that money circulates inside the community. And I was saying on another podcast that when I talked to CPAs and I asked them if you could, if you had all the time in the world to help your clients in the way that you know that you could help them, what would you do for them? And we turn that into actual dollars and we turn that, we measure that against the revenue and it's 15% growth time and again. 
that is not being offered as potential to the business owner because the accountant is too busy to help their clients. So is the hope that accountants will look at the research results and at the data, let's just say that the data indicate that firms who are offering advisory services are performing better, that the accountant will go, okay, there's evidence that this works Therefore, now I feel more comfortable, more confident that I can go in this direction because other people have figured it out and it has proven results? Or is it something else? It, it's definitely what you've said because that's, I feel like as accountants, we like to see the data. We like to know that the analysis has been done, right? And that's one we've always been cobbler's children. No one's looked at ourselves and applied advisory services or what we're supposed to do to ourselves. And so that's why we're looking at this to say, okay, well, let's see, can we quantify this success? And you've already indicated as well, accountants, profitability is not necessarily the success measure for accountants. And so that's why we're also trying to see what is that measure of success? For some, it might be growth. You know, too, that growth can sometimes actually create a worse situation, especially in a smaller firm, because we just don't have the capacity. Yeah. And so we have multiple measures of success, and we're going to be able to look at it to say, okay, if your objective is growth, then here's the other thing that you need to do. If your objective is longevity of your firm, which hopefully everyone is actually looking at, then here are the, other, here are the ones that are most closely associated with that. And then the other reason I'm really thankful that you're having me on your podcast is we also want to do this by size of firms. So a lot of the historical research is always with bigger firms because those are the ones that they can reach. Well, in our research, we want smaller firms. We want sole proprietors because we recognize that they're per se different animals. There's different things. There's, different, there's a different definition of success. And so I'm hoping that a lot of your listeners will come and take the surveys because we want to be able to provide information that's more actionable back to them for their sides of firm. And that is, again, really my, my ask is come take the survey so that your sides of firm, your sole proprietor, yet you're represented in this data and that we can provide the insights back to you that say for your sides of firm, this is what is success. And this is what is working. And even though everyone talks about this other strategy, that doesn't work for small firms, so don't even go there. Right. I love it. I'm so glad you're doing this because I, too, find an absence of data that I can find useful for my own clients because so much of it is for larger firms, like you say, and it's also heavily spliced and diced on old school thinking of realization rates and billable rates and all like all this stuff that doesn't apply the way that I help my clients, which is we focus on creating value for clients, increasing prices, and then figuring out the services in order to achieve the results for clients. It's very much client-focused, whereas the research data, at least that I come across, is very much, <laughs> forgive me, navel-gazing. It's very much firm focus. <laughs> yes, it's inside. Yep. And yep. it has, it, it like, it appears to be disconnected from what the accountants are doing for their clients and what the premise of the entire business is. You mentioned also at the top that you're going to be looking at 
the so-called staffing crisis, which I'm glad you brought up that there's even a question as to whether or not there is a crisis, or is it an opportunity because staff are limited where you just get, because of market forces, heavily encouraged to change your business model in a way that ends up being favorable for you. So can you talk a little bit about what you're going to be researching when it comes to staff for accounting firms? Sure. So in that one, again, we're looking at the four strategies, but first what we're really trying to do is quantify whether or not there is a crisis. I mean, I think there is. I just want to see some data of how and how much of a crisis is this. Um, So we're asking for that type of data. We're also trying to understand the nature of the work. Because depending upon the nature of the work that the staffing crisis is related to, that's going to change the strategy of how we address this. For example, if it's all lower level work, that stuff, I need to hire more more incoming graduates. I maybe can offshore that. If it's mid or higher level work, that's a different strategy that we're going to have to, I'm going to have to get experienced hires, which means I'm going to probably have to hire somebody away from, from another firm. That's different, and that requires a different approach than trying to get in some lower levels. The other thing we're looking at is we're looking at, for example, is are you looking at the right diversity of staff? And by diversity, I don't just mean uh, ethnic or gender, the different skill sets. Now, this one might be a little more relevant to larger firms, but we're, we're fairly, I, I know some people don't think we're that small when I say we're 16 people, but we started off and we were at like eight or nine people for the longest time. And we've been in business for 20 years over 10 of those years has been around eight or nine people. And so we look at that and part of what we've done is we've changed the diversity of our staff. We are looking, we have project managers that, that are now not CPAs that are coming in to actually manage the engagements. Do they do the actual delivery of services? Not necessarily, but they help keep everything in line, which is their skill set. This is really interesting because some of what I see in here, you know, sometimes I can tell when I listen to accountants talk whether or not they still think in terms of money as time and time as money and clients as time and work and money and all those things in one kind of one long string of pearls compared to whether or not they have sort of shifted their thinking to money being connected up with value. When when I hear clients, CPAs talking about the difference between hiring somebody who can produce versus somebody who can't produce as a person who's not a billable person. That's an indication to me that they may still be thinking about selling time for money. And that mentality can lead to a firm structure being set up heavy on production, but wobbly when it comes to operations. And I'm wondering what you think some of your research might turn up in that regard in terms of org structure? That's an interesting one. So we're not looking at org structure right now. So we are looking at, again, these these different ways of fulfilling different levels of need. And then we're also looking at the level of specialization of the work. And we have several different ways we're looking at that. Because again, for example, if you're going into specialization, you maybe don't necessarily need an accountant to help look at operations, right? If I'm in, if I'm in manufacturing, if, I have, if I'm deciding I'm going to specialize in manufacturing, I maybe need someone that understands supply chain a little more, which is more procurement, which might be right, maybe even some logistics. 
Um, if I'm going to work with retail, I need someone maybe that understands marketing and some other things. So it's really the blending. And that's why I talk about the diversification is what we're looking at. Because even I, 16 people in our firm, three of us are CPAs. One, two, I'm trying to think of, and one, two, three, two other accountants. Everyone else is either coming from IT or management or marketing because we're looking at the whole picture of what are people trying to do and where do we need to actually tweak. And depending upon where we need to tweak, we got to deploy the right type of expertise and it's not always accounting. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So how do you imagine that the information that comes out of the survey might help accountants with their staffing strategies? So again, on, on the staffing strategies, what we're doing is we're trying to understand what works and what doesn't work. And this one, we're, we're going much deeper than the advisory one because we have these categories of strategies and we have sub-strategies under there. And then within the sub-strategies, we're asking people, where are you in using this? And especially if it's working and if it's not working, why did it not work? So we're actually even delving quite deep. And this is, again, another one where if we can get your listeners to be a part of this, to help us understand what does what works for smaller firms, what doesn't work for smaller firms, because you can learn from those, quote, failures. I know a lot of us are scared of that word, but part of it is learning from an error or a mistake, which in this case, it's also the opportunity to help others learn from errors or mistakes that you've made. And this is one of the things I love about our accounting community and those like you that are associated with it is we all are so giving of our time and expertise. And it's not like, oh, they're a competitor, I'm not gonna help them. You provide some information and some of these shared challenges like the staffing issue, we'll all help work each other through it because hopefully everyone is in that growth mindset and there's way more than enough work to go around. And so if we all help each other by contributing to this learning, by helping to understand what's working and not working for different sizes of firms, as a profession, we can elevate together. I'm a firm believer that there's no such thing as failure in the same way that there's no such thing as perfect. You try things in your business, you see what happens and you learn from it. And the more you, in air quotes, fail, the more you learn and the faster you get to where you wanna go. The resist failure resistance is what leads to not getting where you want to go because you don't learn what you need to learn to get to where you want to go. So I love that you're crowdsourcing, if you will, all of this knowledge for everyone's benefit. It's so great that you're doing this. So if people want to find out more about how they can contribute to the survey and so on, where can they do that? So we've got a link to, uh, just for the listeners of this podcast, and it is link dot improve the world dot net slash business strategy for cpas no no um no spaces in that so link dot improve the world dot net slash business strategies for cpas and actually me saying the link reminds me to bring me bring us back to you know we believe and this is why this is our url we believe as accountants we are here to help improve the world so hopefully everyone will contribute back to our research and help us actually improve the world through this. I like your style, and I absolutely believe that accountants have the power to improve the world. We'll put that link also in the show notes in case you didn't catch it there in the spelling. This has been so fabulous. Donnie Shimamoto, thank you so much for coming on the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast. My honor, and thank you again for helping me get the word out about our research. 
Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.